Welcome to Book Me, Conversations with Writers, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Today, our host, Costas Halabrezos, will be speaking with Carol Bruneau. Would you be a better version of yourself if you lived somewhere else? More productive? Energized by meeting new people? Happier? Or is sticking close to the place and the people you've known all your life more likely to help you thrive and feel at peace? We've all wrestled with those questions at some point in our lives. Carol Bruno's latest novel, A Circle on the Surface, introduces us to Una and Enman, a married couple living together in a village near Halifax during the Second World War. Their deepest needs play out against the limitations of the place and time they live in, the slightly out-of-kilter relationships they have with their neighbors, and some impulsive acts which have grave consequences. Carol Bruno, welcome to Book Me. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Costas. The title, A Circle on the Surface, is taken from the book of Job in the Bible. Why did you choose that? He has marked out a circle on the surface of the deep as the boundary of light and darkness. I just like that because to me, it's very painterly in a way. We think of images as darks and lights. And I like to think of, you know, fiction is like that. It's sort of shifting those values. And so that I've always been drawn to that quote. And I guess I was trying to sort of dramatize that in a certain way in the book. And it is very visual. Yes. I think if you live near the, the coast anywhere in Atlantic Canada, you've seen that, a, a brilliant circle of, light, circle of light. On the surface of the, the sea. The dark surface Absolutely. of the sea. Yes. Tell us about the place where most of the, the story happens. Bahrain? Bahrain, yes. It's kind of a, a fictional mashup of communities like Sambro and Pennant um, and Ketch Harbor in mainland South Halifax. And it, it isn't really any one of those places, but kind of uh, an amalgam of those places. And especially during the war era, it would have been quite remote, a coastal community that even though, you know, as the crow flies, it wasn't terribly far from the city. It still was for people who lived there. Generations lived there, um, you know, from the early 1800s and so on. So that's the community I was trying to create. Very established, but isolated. Now the the couple, Una and Enman, met and married in, in nearby Halifax. Why did they move to Bahrain? Well, Enman's elderly mother is ill, and the responsible thing to do is to go and care for her. And Una, this is not what she had in mind in signing a marriage contract. So they go to live with his mother, and she dies in fairly short order. And in the meantime, Enman is discovering that, oh, there's something to be said for living in a community where you know all of your neighbors, where your neighbors have known you from the time you were a child. And he kind of falls in love with being back in a place that is so familiar, where there's echoes of previous generations in the looks of people that's around him and so on. So he's he's attracted to that again. And also the landscape, the, the freedom of being in a place that is so elemental. But because of their very different perspectives, I mean, Una's not from there. So it's just the opposite. Her, her reactions are the opposite to what you've just described about Enman. And of course, you get this push-pull uh, of these people who have very different aspirations and visions of the future for their relationship. At the same time, 
they aren't especially eloquent about their feelings with one another. And at one point, Una realizes that, and I'm quoting here, marriage meant taking on not just one person, but their clan and an entire place. Is that kind of an aha moment that dawns on couples after infatuation wears off? I think it is. (laughs) You don't just marry one person. You marry an entire way of life, really, you know, and uh, if if it's two cultures, in this case, sort of a community that's isolated versus a city culture, they're they're two very distinct things. And Una is, she doesn't really have much of a family of her own. You know, her parents are both dead. And so she she kind of in some ways has doesn't have a lot of options as far as that goes and she marries Enman because it seems like a good thing to do and he is a good person his reasons for marrying her are because he sort of sees this woman and falls in love with his what he perceives her to be like which, you know, is not always the case. After you get to know someone, maybe they aren't anything like you thought they were going to be. So it's a marriage that's made in haste, especially kind of exaggerated by the war years, which I think happened quite frequently because of that whole climate of uncertainty. People would sort of, you know, gravitate to situations that otherwise they might spend a little more time thinking about before they jump. The the dialogue uh, between Una and Enman as these uh, frustrations and frustrated desires and aspirations boil away in there, the, the dialogue is uh, very sparse, uh, often edgy. But you seem to have a facility for for taking us into the unspoken thoughts and feelings of these two people. And and in the middle of one of these exchanges, Enman thinks about, quote, the way they danced around everything. Neither seemed able to take the lead or to step out. And then, then a second later, Una blurts out, can we not be strangers to each other? Now, as a writer, how do you balance, you know, the real time to and fro of, mm-hmm. of a dialogue with these deeper pent-up emotions and feelings behind the few words they actually say. With great difficulty. (laughs) A lot of rewriting. I had an excellent editor for this book, and she really pushed me to kind of get under the skin of the characters and what, what their relationship really was, what their you know, what their motivations were and so on. So that that helped. So, yes, there is a lot of tension between these two. They both wanted to work out because they have quite a bit invested in this situation that all of a sudden they're together. But it's frustrating for both of them. And I think so often people, especially, you know, experiencing intense things, don't really understand how they feel until after it's over and they have time to process it. So they're very much kind of dealing with the situation from the seat of their pants. And as far as sparse dialogue, I think both of them are are thoughtful people. And neither of them is going to be running off at the mouth and, you know, kind of blowing up and that kind of thing, because it's all very sort of under the surface. And I think, you know, perhaps because they are surrounded by the war coming very close to their shores, that creates a whole other level of tension that is already there. And everybody's kind of walking on eggshells in a certain way. Could you read an excerpt from the book? I would be pleased to. So Una 
once she finds herself in this small place, spends a lot of time going to the beach because it is one place where she feels comfortable and where she enjoys being. And she does enjoy the solitude of being on the shore. And while Emin is at work at the boatyard, which is in the same village, and she's Yuna is charged with looking after his mother, who is very ill, and every now and then she needs a break from the sickbed scenario. So she, on this one particular day, she goes to the shore, and it's still June. It's not really sunbathing weather, but she's kind of pushing the sunbathing thing. Lowering the glasses, the man saw her then, and only then she felt sure as he raised his hand in a startled wave. A stranger, certainly most likely a local who had left a long while ago and had, until now, the sense to stay away. A true local would have pretended she wasn't there. So, a youthful visitor, from town or further afield? She sat straighter, shoulders back, which had the effect of emphasizing her chest. Posture, said her inner voice, her teacher's voice the way she had reminded her students, shoulders tucked, head held high, chin lifted. When she looked up again, the man was gone, his absence highlighted by the forlorn zigzagging line of spruce backing the dune. No sign of him or anybody against the swath of woods or the length of the beach. A mirage, was he? Mrs. Green? Her mother-in-law was always nattering about ghosts, the ghosts that inhabited this stretch of shore. Now a certain disappointment darkened Una's view of the cove before her. Come back, whoever you are, she wanted to call out, flexing her toes slowly. Sparkly white sand sifted between them. The sad stirring in her throat echoed the sand's fine drifting. She could have used someone to talk to. And there it was. We all could use someone to talk to. The sense took hold, as it too often did, that, like the beam of light out on the island, she was invisible. Invisible the way women became at a certain age. And following that sense was the thought that life her life was swimming by like some finned creature out there in the deeps. This first encounter turns out to be very fateful. It is indeed. But we won't give it away. No, <laughs> no, we? we can't give it away. Now, as you've mentioned, uh, the story unfolds in 1943 mainly. Uh, Halifax was a, a key Navy installation, a staging port for the merchant marine convoys. Uh, it was also a city where I, I suppose anyone who was over 26 years of age uh, experienced the horrors of the Halifax explosion in the First World War. Mm -hmm. So... So what does that war consciousness that must be there in the minds of so many of these people in this village, what does that war consciousness bring out in the, in the character's behavior? How, what are the different ways it manifests itself? I think it's sort of this, this restlessness, even though they are in this place where they have, for their families have been forever, restlessness, but also a certain paranoia, so that they're looking for things, they're always on the lookout for anything unusual. But that said, 
in any circumstance, people live their lives. And so they kind of become used to the fact that, oh, it could be that the U-boats are just offshore, but we can't see them and we have our lives to live, so we continue on. But I think there is always this undercurrent of restlessness and a certain fearfulness, paranoia. And so the, the people that are, you know, that are native to this place are not all that open to strangers moving in because they like their closely knit community. They like things to be safe and recognizable as as things have been. And I think my understanding of Halifax during the war years was this tremendous, you know, the overcrowding and horrible conditions. And local people probably felt a certain amount of resentment for this influx of people who were very transient and it kind of messed things up for them yeah. in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you couldn't get a seat in a restaurant or, you, or a seat in the theater and you're going to see a movie. And so all of those day-to-day inconveniences. Everybody's off balance. Yeah, everything. And, and as well, you know, the shortages of, of basic goods, food and tires on cars, for example. They Taxis apparently drove around on these wooden tire things, which is hard to <laughs> imagine. But, you know, so, so everything that people trying to make maintain a normal daily routine and all of this threat, you know, the threat of that something bad could happen any moment. Aside from your novels, uh, Circle on the Surface, the one we're talking about today, uh, Purple for Sky and and, uh, Glass Voices, you've written three short story collections, which Mm -hmm. include uh, A Bird on Every Tree. And you said you once read a comment that novels are about characters who belong and short stories are about characters who don't belong. Why did that comment stick with you? Well, it's it's an interesting kind of thing to have in your head when you're trying to create the world of a novel because you do have to create the whole backdrop for the story and the characters. And of course, that includes a whole lot of other people. And again, I'm always gravitating to characters who are sort of isolated in their own minds or their own psyches, but they still have to be in a populous place, you know, and that's that's um, important to develop those sorts of relationships and the idea of community, which is such an important thing. I think especially as Maritimers, we feel that sense and that how we love a sense of community. We rely on a sense of community. And so that's there at the same time kind of juxtaposed with people who are, are can be solitary. So that's kind of an idea that I have that, again, it's it's easier to create the solitary individual in a short story because you don't have to do all that fill in, you know, for mm-hmm. the universe. It's sort of just assumed that there's the backdrop. But but there are a lot of people in this uh, mythical community you've created mm-hmm. uh, with emotional scars. They, they try to hide and behaviors they can't seem to control. It makes you wonder how they can form what you call a community. Exactly. And the community itself is almost a thing that almost has nothing to do with the, the individuals. It's the sum of the parts in a certain way. And I think that we see that in our communities because especially you know, in Halifax, for example, it's gotten to be a fairly bustling little city. <laughs> and so we don't know everyone here like we used to. You know, it used to be that you pretty much knew everybody or you knew someone related to them and so on. But there's still that sort of understanding of the place as giving room to people 
with all their issues and so on, and that somehow we're all included. For me, it's part of writing that interests me is how we bring people together. And I think literature brings people together. People read and they experience other people's lives. And that brings people together in ways that otherwise we're real isolated with the internet. We think that we're connected, but I don't think so, not emotionally, you know, and or it's a false kind of connection. So I really believe that reading literature does connect people and makes you feel like, oh, well, I've experienced that. I can relate to how you feel. And that sense of community is something that, you know, transcends place, obviously, mm-hmm. which is an interesting idea because I think as Maritimers that in some ways is the backdrop for community, for sure. Bringing people together, that's, that's why we write, really. It's to unite people in whatever way you can. Carol, thank you very much for joining us on Book Me. My pleasure. Thank you, Costas. Carol Bruneau is the author, most recently, of A Circle on the Surface, published in 2018 by Vagrant Press. It's also available as an audiobook. To find out more about Carol and her other novels and short story collections, explore the Nimbus Publishing website. Go to nimbus.ca. Book Me is produced by Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox is the mastermind behind the Sound and Light Show. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Now, let's go read. Let's go read.